When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's the Bomber Brothers Podcast with Ryan and Sean Chichester. Swung on and driven to deep left. Toward the line. She is gone. Aaron Judge lined one right down the line. Swung on and lined a right center field. It is a base hit. Grounding third. Scoring Tyner from left off. And the Yankees win the ball game with two in the bottom of the ninth. Hit in the air to left center. It is high. It is far. It is gone. It's a grand slam. Oh, a Stantonian home run. Talking all things Yankees baseball. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to a new episode of the Bomber Brothers podcast brought to you by WFAN and Odyssey. Make sure you rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. We've got a, a special one for you today. Well, not only do we have a guest, but the Yankees actually won, so we can talk about a Yankee win. But we're also going to be looking ahead. We've got Matt Ibanez here from the Till Mets Do Us Part podcast. He does a great job over there, and they've had plenty to talk about this season, and they'll have plenty to talk about whenever they record next, too, because the Mets just came off a, a nice weekend, capped off by one of their most wild games of the season. So, Matt, how you doing, and why can't you let us have any kind of good vibes this season? We're off a big win, and then the Mets go have an even better one. I'm uh, I'm feeling good, Ryan. I, I appreciate you guys having me on. Obviously, we, we had talked about this uh almost a month ago, probably talk about, you know, getting some kind of collaboration together. And then of course my wife had to go off and have a baby. So it kind of threw things for a, for a little bit of a loop. So uh, uh, it's great to, you know, finally be on here and just uh, chop it up with you guys and just uh, talk a little bit Mets and Yanks and uh, yeah, Mets win today. I'm feeling good. I thought I was going to be coming into the show a little bit somber, but I'm feeling pretty excited after that big win. And of course your Yanks got to win today as well. So it's, it's all good vibes today. Well, it, it, it's good vibes, but Yanks get a win and uh, we face Scherzer tomorrow. And then I think probably DeGrom on Tuesday, the way it's That's looking, they, they might drop Walker in, I, I read, but not sure. But um, how, what kind of jolt of energy has that been to get these, these two guys back uh, da- down the stretch here for you guys? I, I, I've been saying since the start of the season that the the thing that made me so excited about having the two of them was the fact that when you have two stoppers in a rotation, it kind of eliminates the idea of a slide. So whenever you're in a rough patch or whatever, like we like we thought we might have been this weekend with a couple of pitchers that you might not be that confident rolling out. And then, you know, on the back of, hey, no matter what happens here, we got. Scherzer and Degrom back to back, so the excitement there is, is 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 extremely high because again the idea of those two just you know back to back and the idea of just what's the word I'm looking for if they do line up the way that they are right now moving forward being able to possibly take two out of three from a series right off the bat because you're you feel so confident with those two in there that really adds a, a lot of energy and the fact that Degrom has been out for so long, you hope that he's going to be fine moving forward, which, you know, with October aspirations, him healthy then is what we want the most. Yeah. I mean, the Mets right now, they've kind of taken over the vibes that the Yankees had earlier in the season, just like finding ways to win. I mean, like mm-hmm. you said, at this weekend, you look at the pitching matchups, it didn't, it seemed like the Mets might have a tough time. I mean, the mm-hmm. Phillies have, have a solid lineup. They've got, you've got Trevor Williams, David Peterson, going in both games of Saturday's doubleheader and 
and even coming off of um, a DeGrom game in which the Mets actually lost a few days before, but they just find ways to win right now that, you know, today not included. The Yankees are kind of finding ways to lose unlike earlier in the year when it seemed like they were doing exactly what the Mets are doing right now. So we got, we got two teams seemingly heading in uh, opposite directions as they get set to clash in the Bronx tomorrow night. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting too. And it'd be as a Mets fan, I'm not sure your feelings uh, towards the Yankees and their fans in particular, but mm-hmm. the beginning of the season, the Mets started off doing well. The Yankees just started off on, on a historic pace. So the Yankees still were kind of dominating that news cycle. And then right around the time of, uh, you know, like when we tried to last talk a month ago, the Mets dominate the Yankees for two games straight, which is kind of right when that Yankees tailspin really started. As a Met fan, do you just be honest with us? Do you get kind of giddy? Like we've just taken over all of the good vibes in the town and, and your back pages are all negative and we're here, uh, you know, playing our trumpets and winning our games here. <laughs> The, the only thing I'll say is I like when it comes to this whole Mets fan, Yankee, like Mets up, Yankees down. Like I, I know some fans and I see some Mets fans that I follow or that follow me or the show or whatever. And they get really excited. The fact that the Yankees are down and they're struggling and they're losers or whatever it was, 13 of 16, whatever. But the fact is I don't pay attention to them that much at really at all. Like I was just having a conversation with some people yesterday, just asking questions. Like I don't understand why the Yankees are playing backs. I don't watch them. Like I'm focused on my team and I'm focused on what they're doing. So when it comes to them, you know, winning or losing, the only time I'm really focused on them is when they're facing the Mets and like, yeah, I, I can be honest when I could say, I hope that the Mets dominate them for the next two days. Like that's what I want because that's the team that's in front of my team right now. And I want them to win. And I think, the biggest thing for me is I've always just wanted my team to be respected. And you know, I guess it it's sad that it takes the Mets to be like on a historic run, like they are right now. And the Yanks to be down in order for them to get that respect. I think if there's two good teams, there's two good teams, which is what I felt for the majority of the season it's been, but I I've been saying this on the show for a long time. I've always felt that people feel that in New York, there has to be a good team and there has to be a jester. And there always has to be a joke because nobody wants all good because that doesn't create headlines. So I, I felt I've always felt that way. But now that, you know, the Mets are playing well and the Yanks are a little bit of a funk, it's kind of reversed itself like in that sense. But to me, I, 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 I pay no mind to the Yanks really. Yeah. I, I think, I think what's interesting too, is like you said, you know, this is New York. There has to be some kind of negativity for people to feed into and thrive on. And if the Mets are doing good from the Yankee fans perspective, it's, Oh, they'll eventually quote unquote Mets this up. Or if the Yankees aren't doing good, then it's the Mets fans turn to, to gloat. But I mean, if you just look at these two organizations, I think, I think what Yankee, a lot of Yankee fans aren't, coming to terms with or accepting is the fact that in my opinion, as it stands right now, the Mets are just a better run organization. It happened so drastically with, with the sale of the team and Steve Cohen coming in, but now you have the Mets with an owner who's willing to spend every dollar to put a winner on the field. And you see that with, with the Scherzer contract extending Lindor who has silenced his critics as of late, he's been unbelievable. And it's, and then, even, and then even the Mets have a trade deadline like they did where there was, it was widely criticized for not going after more bullpen help and mm-hmm. only getting, you know, platoon like players. And then all of a sudden Vogelbach is, is mashing and it's uh and all of a sudden everyone forgets about that. Meanwhile, the Yankees trade deadline acquisitions today, notwithstanding, because Ben Intendi finally came alive, but their acquisitions have largely been a disaster. Frankie Montas has been has been bad. Ben Intendi was terrible up until up until today. So 
what I think is fascinating in my opinion, as we get ready for another subway series is the fact that, you know, I don't think people are acknowledging that. I think the tides have changed in that aspect where the Mets just seem like a, a better run organization and right now have a better team on the field. You didn't mention one thing, Ryan, that the Mets also have a professional in the dugout and show Walter. And that to me yeah. is a big difference. And that, I think I think Yankee fans got really nervous when the, the Mets got sold because Hal has been running the Yankees a lot more frugally than George did. Not to the point that the Wilpons managed the Mets, but mm. they started to get that vibe. And then Uncle Stevie, as you call him, maybe came mm-hmm. in and then they got Showalter. And that was like the last it definitely feels like the last piece in piece and the culture has changed. And the respect he commands is is just incredible. And, and it, it shows, and he ran circles around Boone in, in the subway series. So I'm sure you're, you're happy with Joe Walter in the dugout, um, I assume. Absolutely. And when you're, when you talk about a team that's coming off of, you know, the likes of uh, Mickey Calloway and, and just thinking years back of like Jerry Manuel and just a, a lot of bad managers have been in that dugout. And then you finally have someone that, you know, bucks the trend, if you will, uh, it's just, just, just a coin a phrase to really, uh, have a team that no matter what I feel as though slides, you know, in the baseball season, there are ebbs and flows, but the idea of the Mets being losers of like, say, you know, five of seven or seven of 10 or like, whatever, like I feel as though with how they're run right now, it, it's not really going to happen because of the pitching. Like I said before with the, with the two stoppers, but also because I, I feel that like everyone is bought in so much to what Buck brings to the table that, I feel that they're never going to really falter like that. And that's why the idea, like when, when Yankees fans or now I'm getting a lot of Braves Twitter, which is God awful and annoying or Phillies fans, or whatever it may be always thinking, Oh, the, the other shoe's going to drop. The Mets are going to Mets. Like you said before, Ryan, they're, they're going to, they're going to blow this. And I just sit there. I'm like, you know what? If other managers were in the dugout, I could probably still have that pessimist in the back of my mind saying those things can possibly happen. But when I have Buck Showalter and I have a competently run front office who made some moves that I liked some, I didn't, but some that I liked that helped this team and the pitching that they have and the offense that they have. It's like, I, I feel, I feel very confident. I feel that that's something that a lot of Mets fans need to learn how to accept. I feel like a lot of them are not confident enough yet. And I think that this team has done enough to, to earn that confidence. So now heading into this subway series, you have a team that is cemented itself as a perennial contender in the national league. They've already taken the first two from the Yankees. You know, what, what does the uh, expectation level or the hype get for a team like the Mets right now coming into a subway series when they are, when they're the better team. I mean, I, I think about Evan Roberts listening to him on the air and he's, whether he's talking about the Yankees and Mets or the Knicks and Nets, it's always, he's petrified. He doesn't want to face them because if they lose, then he has to hear it from the other side until Mm -hmm. the next time they play, which obviously in this case is either going to be October or, or next year. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, but, but when, but when it's a Mets team that's performing like they are now, do, do you even care about that stuff? Or is this like, is this just another two game series against a inferior team? To me, this is, this is a two game series against a team that's is still a well-respected team. Regard, I don't, I don't care about the slide. It doesn't matter. They're still one of the top teams in the AL regardless of what they've done lately. Um, but I, the, the one thing I don't like that bothers me that I, I guess I could say fear, but more so just annoyed about is that if the Mets do beat the Yanks here, I, 
I know I'm going to hear from Yankee fans or from other people in general. It's like, Oh, who cares this, you know, that's the Mets world series. I've been hearing that all year. It's like (laughs) when the Mets beat somebody, they beat a good team. It's like, Oh, look at the, Oh, this is, this is the Mets world series. They beat the Braves four out of five, or they beat whoever they beat the, they split the Dodgers. This is their world series. It's like, no, like, you face good teams. You want to beat good teams. I still think the Yankees are a good team, regardless of what they've been doing. And I want my team to further prove that they are a good team. You want to go out there and beat good competition. That, that's what you want to do. So I, I don't care so much about the whole New York thing and, and being better than the Yankees. I, I want the Mets to be the best team in the NL because I want them to continue to create space. My focus right now is, is Atlanta. I'm worried about the Braves. Like they're the team that keeps on winning. They're, you know, I I know they lost today finally, but you know, the fact that they've won, I want to say nine of their last 11 games, like they're, they're, they're on the team's heels. I, my focus is, is wanting my team to beat the Yanks just because I'm trying to maintain the space that I have in the NL East. Makes sense. You know, we were talking too, and about like, Oh, one team has to be good. Then one has to be bad. I, I, I know if you were about the same age, Ryan, you're a little bit younger, but I mean, the, one of the most fun times in baseball was 99, 2000 when the Yankees and Mets, I mean, the Mets got within two games of the world series in 99, obviously they both met in the world series in 2000. That's a big enough city where you have room for two teams and it's really fun. What now, obviously nothing from 2000, I'm going to assume, but what's kind of your favorite memories of the subway series? Because even though you do look at it that way, right, it's still Mm. really fun and really energetic. I'm sure you, got Yankee fans texting you and you know whatnot but I'm sure you got some good memories the Mets have had a lot of good Subway Series wins over the years too they they have um obviously if we're going based off of recency like I I I've been championing for Francisco Lindor for the longest time especially last year too when, when everyone was like really ragging on the guy and not understanding that you know it's sometimes it's a it's an adjustment with a big contract and I always I've been comparing him to Carlos Beltran and everything that went on with him. And it's kind of taking that course right now. So that game last year with the chirping back and forth and the whistle and the three homers and flashing to Stanton, like, I love that. I thought that was great. And I thought that was a great moment for Lindor in one of his true coming of New York moments. I think back to, uh, I can't remember who it was off, but the, I, I always laugh at it. The, uh, what was it? Was it Mr. Koo? Mr. Koo ripping that double into center. Is that what that was? I can't remember. I can't remember either. I'm trying to remember. It was, it was a ridiculous thing where they were like, he's, he's got no shot at this. They threw the pitch. They piped. He rips a double. Yeah, yeah. Whatever <laughs> it was. And it's just, everyone's just, the place erupted. But it's little things like that. But like just thinking about recency and, and focusing on the team now, because as Sean has heard me multiple times throughout the years, complain about, you know, the Mets when they were the Wilpon run team and everything. I just, I've pretty much changed my attitude and I've kind of blocked out a lot of things uh, from prior ownership because I'm so happy right now with everything that's gone on. So I'll keep it with the recency and I'll bring up the Lindor, but they're, they're, like I just mentioned that Mr. Koo moment, it's just some funny things back then, but yeah, there, there's, there's plenty of memories I could probably pull up, but to keep it recent, I'll, I'll say the Lindor one. Yeah. The, the Lindor discord over in uh in Mets universe always kind of perplexed me because we he has such a track record of being a star and you just in my opinion you just knew it was going to turn around for him and it's turning around at at the right time but as especially in New York I feel like fan bases just always have to have their hate vessel and it's usually attached to uh to big contract guys let me, yeah let me ask you a question real quick both of you guys you can answer however you want I, I we've talked about it on the show at nauseum when it comes to Lindor because people continue to talk about it and you just brought it up about contracts and we've we've been beating the drum and saying this over and over that you have to understand 
guys get paid. Guys get paid big. It's just the way the game goes, the, the market, the timing, whatever it is. Why do fans in general care so much about what a guy's making? It's not coming out of your pocket. It shouldn't like I know it's I know it's not affecting the Mets right now as much as from from a distance money's affecting the Yanks in the sense now as opposed to way back when. But I I just don't understand why people you know scream about the and people still do like with Lindor they'll say oh he's getting paid three hundred forty million dollars but he's only batting two seventy like what but he's he's playing like a superstar like why do you care? I mean, yeah. I, don't, I don't know how you guys feel about that. I have long been fascinated about this movement among fan bases where I mean, for us, it's it's John Carlos Stanton and everyone mm-hmm. wants to shed his contract, which in the scheme of things, he's making about twenty seven million a year, which isn't even that crazy it's compared to now. other. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. compared yeah. to other people with those AAVs, he's, it's a fairly team friendly deal, aside from maybe the length if he continues to break down. But anyway, I, I guess I don't know. I, I feel like fans want to identify with players. And I feel like fans also kind of fall in love with those like quote unquote scrappy players. Cause maybe they like can buy into the fact that like, Oh, that could, that could be me like grinding to play or, mm-hmm. or maybe, maybe the money kind of like separates that identification because they're making so much money and they feel like that's not possible. Maybe they mm-hmm. feel like that. Maybe they want to pride themselves on being a fan of a team. That's more like savvy with the, how they like put together a team when in reality, with when you're in New York, you, you should spend. be yeah, you should be flexing your yeah. most advantageous resource, which is money. I mean, the, New York is in a, a huge market. You're in a sport without a salary cap. Why would you rather not go sign the best players than your owners have the biggest yachts or whatever it might be? But I, I don't know. Maybe it's just maybe it's just the amount of money that they know the player is making turns them off because they tell themselves it's, it's a kid's game and it should be about quote unquote the game yeah. when, um, when it's also their job, which is right. to set their own market value and make, make the amount of money before they retire. So I, I've never understood it. I thought the Lindor discord was, was ridiculous. Just like I thought it was with, with Sam, but Sean, I don't know what you think. I don't know how well I worded that, but I think there, there becomes like a separation in terms of being able to connect and identify with a player when they get, when fans put them in a different stratosphere in terms of like net worth. I, I mean, I, I get what you're saying. Uh, and I think there's a lot of truth in that, but I also think that the owners have done a great, and so major league baseball in general have done a great job of tricking us into thinking that there is a hard limit or a pseudo salary cap, whether it's the luxury tax or the amount an owner can spend. Like I'm, I don't know what the Wilpons real situation was with Madoff and how much money they had, but we know that house, you know, the Yankees are worth what? $4 billion or I forget what it was the last time they did it. We know how Steinbrenner has a ton of money, mm-hmm. but it's like, Oh, we have the salary tax that we're going to have to pay if we go. So they kind of trick us in our minds to thinking if a player gets paid a lot of money and underperforms, then that's going to prevent us from getting another player because there's this mysterious number, like the ceiling that we've put on it. You know, if you're a kid and your parents tell you, you've got a you know, hundred dollars to spend at Toys R Us, you're going to go in and you're going to be careful about what you pick. But if you have an unlimited amount of money, which most of these teams do, you're just going to get the best things. You're not going to care about that. And I think about it like the 90s Yankees, everybody would complain, oh, they just buy players. I can't even tell you who the highest paid player was on the 98 team because George Steinberg didn't give a shit. Like it was just like, it is what it is. And we've been tricked into caring, even though this is not a salary cap sport and these owners have so much money. So I think it's just, they, they trick people into thinking you can't give Aaron Judge 
$32 million a year because in, it's going to in some way affect us from getting a starter in three years or something like that when that's BS because there's going to be another player around that you manipulate his service time with. And, and I think kind of the Mets fans might be scarred a little bit from the Wilpon stuff with Lindor where it's like, oh, we got Lindor and that could clog us up. But it's like, no, no, no. Cohen's okay. going to just go and spend. You're, you're going to go and get Max Scherzer and Kana yeah. and uh, Marte and yeah, you'll be fine. Yeah, I just think um, I, I I I I would say that I've fallen victim to it as well. Like I've said in conversations on a given player, I was like, oh, you know, so and so, you're not going to pay this guy fifteen million dollars a year or twenty million dollars a year. But in reality, it's like, go ahead, do it. If you have the money, spend it. But like, I, I just I don't get why people just want to champion this idea of oh, he's making this much money, he has to get a hit every single at bat. No, nobody. I don't care how good Mike Trout's the greatest player we've seen or whatever. And he doesn't get a hit every time he's up there. Ron Acuna is great. I, Shohei Otani is phenomenal, but they don't get hits every single time that they're up. And guess what? Everyone loves Otani now. Are they going to rip the guy when he gets paid $500 million by somebody and he's not getting hit every single time or pitching to a sub three ERA? Is, is he garbage then? Like, I just, I don't understand why people get yeah. so run up on money. Last time I checked, baseball is also entertainment. So we're here to be entertained and watch our teams potentially win. So people need to just calm down in that sense. Yeah. And like you said, you know, even you get upset about certain contracts, like this is like, we're talking about the Lindors and the Stans and the Otanis, like the established stars of right. baseball. Like when, when the Yankees signed Jacoby Ellsbury, we all said it was stupid because right. and that's, and it's just not the same, same level of player. So of course there are still such things as bad investments mm-hmm. when it comes to, when it comes to baseball. But I, I still think, I think Sean nailed it on, on the head with like, you know, a lot of we've heard I mean, from Yankees universe, we we've heard it all the time from Cashman and Hal and in, in, up in the front office about how they've used the luxury tax as a, a self-imposed salary cap. So mm-hmm. fans take that as, as gospel. And then all of a sudden Stanton is, Oh, well now stands in the way of the Yankees getting Verlander or, uh, or well, whoever, whoever it might've been in previous free agency classes. When in reality, I mean, we don't we don't have the, the exact numbers, but I mean, I think it's the NL East, but the Braves is one of the only teams whose um, revenue became public this past year. And it was over five hundred million dollars coming off a pandemic year in twenty twenty one. So for the Yankees, even if that was their revenue, which obviously theirs is going to be significantly more. But even if it was paying judge the thirty five million he's asking for, that's like, I don't know, 15 percent of that or something, yeah. something minuscule. So. Um, yeah, that's, I don't know. Uh, the idea, they, they, the yeah. idea of a small market team is not real, right? That's no. what you've been sold and it's not real. There's no, so I don't care if you even mentioned the Clevelands or the Pittsburgh's or anybody like that. They're all owned by billionaires. They all have money. And they know how to play us too. Like they, they even said like the year it was Machado and Harper were free agents. Like the Yankees were saying things like, well, last year we kind of jumped the gun and went out and got Stan. So we're good. And then like when they got Cole, it was like, well, here he is. This is the starter yeah. you've been asking for. And like, hopefully Tyone and, and Domingo Herman work out because this is the one guy we're getting. And it's just yeah. like, then, then you put all of your hopes and dreams into these players. And when John Carlos Stanton strikes out in a big spot, you're like, oh, this was supposed to be it. And, right. you know, but well, congratulations on having an owner that's moved past that. And I hope to get back. <laughs> yeah, that, one day. This was our long winded way of asking, what is it like to not have to deal with this anymore? 
Well, let me ask you a question. I know we're supposed to be talking subway series and things like that, but I, I have to ask a question because I've been asking a lot of my Yankee fan, uh, fan friends this, and we talked about it yesterday. I've got their takes. I asked some people today. I got two more in front of me right here. I have to ask when it comes to Aaron judge, everything that he's doing right now. Okay. What, what is it going to take for them to uh, like, do you feel as though they're going to give him a number and it's just going to say, this is the number we're not moving from. And then if he says, well, I think I'm worth more. Are they simply going to walk away and say, look, it's been nice having you adios. Enjoy going playing with, San Fran or New York or Boston or whoever else we might go to, because someone's going to pay the guy. And I looked at it and I said, I, I, I thought from a distance, he would probably want 35 over eight years. That was my guess. Um, but again, you guys might have a better idea than me, but I'm just curious as to if they don't sign him. My simple question is what exactly is this team? If they don't keep Aaron judge. Well, uh, I mean, we've seen Brian Cashman do this with, uh, yeah, we've seen Cashman do this with uh, franchise faces before with Jeter. Obviously, he was in a way different point of his career, but he gave Jeter an an offer that he thought was fair and then said, if you don't think it is, I encourage you to test the market. I can see him doing that with Judge. Like, hey, here's our offer. If you don't, if you don't like it, um, I encourage you to see what the Giants are going to pay you. And then my concern would be, does Judge even give them the chance to counter whatever he might get in free agency? Mm-hmm. And then second part of your question, the Yankees, if they don't bring Judge back, they uh, they become an, a hilarious failure. I mean, the, the baby bombers era would be the most, one of the biggest colossal fa- failures we've ever seen in terms of every other hyped baby bomber that came up significantly dropped off after two years or never made it at all, whether it be for injuries like Greg Bird, but we've seen, we've seen Torres, Sanchez, uh, Severino has been, been hurt all the time. Uh, Bird got hurt all the time. And then you have the one of all of them who turned into a bona fide superstar and you let him go in his prime. It, it would, it would be a, a colossal failure of the organization to where if, if there was not some kind of equally big, addition this winter i think it might be like one of the first times that the yankees might actually start feeling the the frustration of fans to where not as many people come out or whatever it may be and they're still going to make a ton of money regardless but uh yeah i think it would have a huge i think it might be one of the most impactful things that to happen to the organization since i don't know i can't even think of i can't even think of a comparison right now yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I think Cashman's biggest flaw is his arrogance, and it almost cost. I, like Jeter was not a superstar in terms of production when Cashman told Jeter go shop this offer. Now, if he says that to Judge, Judge is gonna. I I think Judge is probably gonna wind up with a better offer, and mm-hmm. you just hope that the relationship hasn't soured to the point where he says, you know what, I just feel like I'm not wanted there. I'm gonna go play closer to home, or. I'm going to go stick it to them and go play across town in Queens. And, and I mean, look, he's the face of the franchise and and he, he has gotten better progressively as he's gone on as a, as a hitter, he's become a more complete, a more patient hitter still has his moments where he, but he's become such a, such a complete player. They, they need to keep him where they go from there. I don't know. They go get like Devers from Boston or something. I, I don't even know what they probably not because that would just be more free agent money. So I, I have no idea what they would do. It would be a disaster. Uh, like we're saying, it, it would probably be like, I, I I don't know if you can even quantify it in our lifetimes as being something that would be 
be equal because the Yankees never, the Yankees held on to a rod. They didn't let Bernie walk when Bernie was a superstar. Uh, like none of, none of the superstars got away. This would be really the first one like Cano left, but it kind of like Cano was older. I mean, mm-hmm. about judges age now and like, Cano proved like, you know, maybe it was a good, a good thing. They didn't keep him. <laughs> yeah. Well, they also didn't spend that leftover money on um, very smartly aside from, Tanaka, but no, I get what you're saying. Yeah. But uh yeah, let's let's get actually get into the uh <laughs> the subway series. Let's do it. Um so yeah, game one could not be more slanted in the Mets' favor when you look at the pitching matchup. We've got Scherzer and Domingo Herman, who has been escaping by the skin of his teeth in a lot of these starts where he's actually been putting up good, you know, good box score numbers. But mm-hmm. I mean, the hundred mile an hour exit velos are coming off like crazy and he's just been getting really lucky i don't see that continuing but i mean could could you maybe could you be more confident in game one right now i'm always feeling good whenever i see max on the mound and just again because of everything that he brings to the table and i've said it's all off season how he's just basically he is a champion obviously because he has won but just the the attitude and and the bravado and, and just the confidence that he brings to that dugout on that mound he's basically saying give me the ball you know we've we've seen the gif of him mf and everybody and everything and it's just I think the players really feed off of him and he feeds off of the energy. And the biggest thing with him is he's because this is a subway series game and you look at, and you can say, well, Mets are playing well, Yanks aren't playing so great. It's still a big moment. And if there's one thing that Scherzer has consistently said to this team, he says, these are the moments that you play for. You have to play up because if you want to play big time, October baseball, you have to take in these moments and you have to find ways to win. So hearing those things and how it's starting to come out for this team, I would say I'm 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 feeling very confident because of the fact that I think this team needed an offensive boost a little bit. And this past weekend, they scored some runs. Finally, they looked a little gassed on Saturday, but they come out today. They score 10 runs and they feed that right into that stadium. I won't make fun of it in, in the Bronx. And, uh, you know, hopefully they can put a couple out and uh, put up some runs. You know, park adjusted Yankee Stadium is really not that hitter friendly. <laughs> Just, just, all right. You know, like we're not going to m- manipulate our dimensions off the way we built it, you know, because we, you know, hey, it worked are, for the Orioles. Yeah, yeah. really. Yeah. <laughs> what the yeah, heck really. is going on there? It's a canyon. And then you, then you get Tuesday night, Ibby, and you got Jake on the mound. I mean, mm-hmm. and against Montas, who I thought he was good, but he, man, he's been terrible <laughs> since he came to the Yankees. Do, do you, as a Mets fan, go into these two games and just like, we, we got this, or e- even does that doubt still creep in as like, well, we're still facing the Yankees and my friends are going to be annoying me if we lose. So you kind of <laughs> don't go in pumping your chest up or you just kind of walk in like, I'm going to be quiet, but I'm walking in with my, my head held high. I'm never a person that goes out pre-game and is, is calling out the the, oppo- the opposing, whether it's a Braves friend fan or a Yankee fan. Like, I never do that. I'm never that guy because I do feel that karma is real and I'm going to say something and, you know, it's going to it's gonna come back and, and fire back at me because, hey, I'll give you a quick example. Half hour ago, 45 minutes ago, I sent a, a message to a friend saying how, uh, you know, uh, you know, Canna hits the home run and the Phil's got the lead. I'm like, well, I got Edwin Diaz coming. I know this game's over. And then, of course, he does a tightrope back. I'm like, Jesus Christ, because I, I had to I, I had to open my mouth. I'm going to cost the team this freaking game. It's going to be my fault. And, uh, hope, you know, thankfully, he, he worked his way out of it. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm never one that really goes in and says, you know, our team's going to kick your ass or anything like that. Like, I feel confident, yes, because of who's on the mound. But, you know, there are a lot of times where 
people do say that's baseball, Susan, and some things go your way. Sometimes they don't. And, uh, you know, you still got to go out there and gotta play the games. We got a Ryan got a bobblehead on Friday night that says that's baseball, Susan, I believe. But, you know, it'd be that, the, you know, you, you're, you're pretty locked in on your starters. Obviously, we would expect the Yankees run. I mean, three hits maybe across the whole series for the Yankees with through the thrown out and the way the Yankees are hitting. But uh, who do you look for on the Mets? Maybe this this series to have an offensive performance to put some runs up on the board. Uh to support uh, Jake and Mad Max. I feel, look, I mean, Francisco Lindor has been on absolute fire right now. It's kind of hard not to say him. Um, I do want to see the fact that you guys are throwing, you're throwing two righties. So maybe Vogelback can keep, like he looks sharp today. So hopefully he went, he, he kind of went a little bit lower. So the idea of having that protection behind Jake is something I think is very important. I'm sorry, behind, behind uh, Pete is very important. But um, yeah, I would also like to see Pete. I, th- I want to say moments like this is where Pete wants to really show his metal. He likes being that New York type of guy. So why not do that in the Subway Series? Um, so I think, you know, Pete had a had a solid weekend and I hope that carries over. Um, obviously, there's a lot of guys I, lo- I love in this lineup, but, you know, I'm really focusing on the on the meat of the lineup. So, uh, you know, the idea of Lindor and Alonzo and Vogelback really you know, putting things out there and, uh, and scoring the runs. And, you know, obviously that's going to mean that Nimmo and Marte got to get out in front of them. But uh, those are the guys I'm kind of really focused in on. And, you know, when you're telling me you got guys that are going out there, giving up the ball, you know, hundred plus miles an hour off the bat makes me, makes me excited because like I said, I don't follow the Yanks that much, but if they're giving up hard hit balls, it, it makes me feel good about this offense then. So yeah, Ryan, I asked him who he thinks is going to have a good offensive performance. He names five guys. I can't even think of one. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even want to ask was, you that question because we're just going to be like, uh, judge, I guess. Yeah. I mean, the, uh, I mean yeah, Alonzo was struggling too, but he he's he came alive a bit in this past series. He's up to mm-hmm. 30 homers and 100 RBIs now. First player in the National League to get to that RBI mm-hmm. mark. So, uh, well, I guess we kind of asked the question, but we do a tradition on this pod where we pick who wins the uh, – who we think is going to win the championship belt since the Yankees give out a championship belt to their MVP after every win. So we pick who's going to be the MVP of their series. I think the Mets do a sombrero they give to like, they have been doing a sombrero. Yes. All right. So, so then I guess who's your prediction to win, (laughs) win the sombrero for, for the Mets this series. I'm going to go, um, not obviously I I won't go with the pitchers. I'll go with the hitters. I'm I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to say Pete Alonso. I think Pete Alonso has, a big couple of days. I think he's going to hit a couple homers and uh, that's my guy. And I think that's going to be a, uh, that's going to be the, uh, the choice. Hence, you know, obviously this isn't video, but I'm wearing a, my, it is a polar bear hat. hat. Yep. I'm wearing a polar bear hat. So, so people can hear that. But yeah, I, I think, I think Pete's going to be the guy that uh, is the one wearing that hat uh, when it's all said and done. All right, Sean, who's, who's winning the belt on the Yanks side. If uh, any hope. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Ben Intendi. He gets hot after hitting the home run today, and I'm gonna say maybe he gets on base a couple times in front of Judge. Maybe something something magical happens, and the Yankees score a run. All right, <laughs> they're facing they're facing two righties, two of the best righties in baseball, but righties nonetheless. So maybe. Um, well, we also like to try to make picks on guys who need to turn things around, and we usually do that to try to give some good juju. It rarely ever works, but I'll try it again, and I'm going to go with Frankie Montas and say that he's going to pitch a good game. Maybe the Yankees claw two runs off to Grom and win a two, one, two, one game or something. It would have to be something like that. Or if, if Walker winds up pitching, I don't know what the situation is. Maybe, maybe, you know, better, but I know that Walker is in play to potentially pitch Tuesday, which would push to Grom back. And in all honesty, I'm going to the game Tuesday. And I hope that doesn't happen because I want to see DeGrom pitch. 
Um, the, the latest I saw, I thought the Grom was still going, um, unless something has changed recently. But I also yeah. feel that they are again. I I don't want to say that they're they're going to do things just because it's the Yanks, but this is baseball. It's it's a money making business, and I think the idea of Max and Jake against the Yanks is what was what they want to do, and I, and I think that's what you know. Uh, I think that's the route that they are going to go because again, they've been they've been uh, talking about this being the potential lineup against the Yanks for like the last week. Like I, I, I usually don't look that far ahead for the, for the pitching matchups, but the fact that I knew Jake and Max were going to be pitching against the Yanks, I learned that last week because people yeah. already counted it out saying this could potentially be it. Baseball wants to see that. I, I think it's going to happen. Well, it should be fun. Uh, Ibby, thanks for joining us, man. We really appreciate it. Everybody that listens to our podcast, for some reason, that's not a Yankee fan. Check out mm-hmm. Ibby on uh, Till Mets Do Us Part podcast, part of the uh, Chop Sports Media Network. Thank you so much, guys. I really appreciate it. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, three three champions talking about their, their teams. We're former teammates, and now, now we're on opposite sides. That's it. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks. Thanks, Ibby. And thanks, everybody, for listening. Make sure you rate, review, subscribe. Sean and I will be back on Wednesday to talk about what should be an absolute bloodbath. But uh, (laughs) uh, we'll talk to you on Wednesday. Let's go, Yanks. Uh.